0: Hello, and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about birth control after baby. Now, before we jump into the episode, I have a question for you. Are you expecting a baby? Odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. And if you're feeling a little overwhelmed or intimidated by this new journey that you're going on and this new phase of life that you're entering into, then you should definitely check out our mommy mentorship program that we have at Best Life Moms Club. It's our low-cost, supportive membership program where we help you and support you on this amazing journey from the end of your pregnancy all the way through the first year. We have some amazing women in our program and some beautiful babies, and we would love to have you with us. Okay, so back to the episode, birth control after baby. So this is a topic that you will probably start thinking about soon after you have your baby and then Definitely, it will be brought up at your six-week postpartum appointment. And there's a lot of things to consider and a lot of different options out there. Uh, So, Amanda, birth control after baby.
1: So, we kind of came up with five main types of birth control. Uh, The.
0: Almost like groups of birth control, you might say?
1: Yes, you could call them groups. (laughs) These are kind of like the most common ones that uh, people tend to use. Uh, So the first one is the barrier method. Yes. So these are your condoms, your diaphragms, your sponge, surgical caps, things like that. Things that...
0: Cervical caps, not surgical.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's I say surgical? You did Oops. say
0: surgical. Yeah. That's funny. No, cervical caps.
1: Cervical, yeah. yes. You won't need a surgical cap. <laughs> so yes, the barrier method is birth control that you use every time you have sex.
0: Yes, and it's something that you add into your body or onto your body or into your partner's body to create a wall or barrier from your ovulated egg and the sperm.
1: You put it so eloquently. But yeah. Hey, thank you.
0: Can you yes. tell that I can you tell that I might I have a teaching background? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so barrier methods like, you know, the good old-fashioned condom that everybody it, loves to hate.
1: True. And the thing is like when you're figuring out what you're going to do, like some people are interested in barrier methods because they're not hormonal.
0: Yeah. That's true. That is one really big benefit to them is that they're not hormonal. And, you know, like you know that they're there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. And yes, you have to think about it when you're in the moment or before you're gonna have sex, right? It's part of your sexual preparation, right? But it will prevent you from getting pregnant if used properly. When you and yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) Yeah, it is not, not hormonal. So that would be a benefit to some people, especially after you've gone through so many hormonal things after giving birth.
0: Yeah, I, I find like, this is just not specifically to the barrier methods, but like just birth control is always that big conversation that we have after we have a baby, like specifically talking like Peter and I, it's always like, okay, I'm going for my six week appointment we need to talk about what our plan is, what our birth control plan is like, so that we are kind of on the same page of like where we're going. Cause I know that at the six week appointment, it's going to be brought up and I need to have like a general idea of like general direction of where I'm going. And so, um, yeah, the barrier method is, you know, it's one of those ones that you can always have around the house and just be like, Oh yeah, like pull out a condom and stick it on and you're good to go.
1: But the thing is, too, like even if you do decide to use like a hormonal method, for example, like it doesn't it's not like you start taking the pills and automatically things click in. Right. Like you kind of have to there's like that kind of transition period. Right. Like they always say, like, you got to like go through your first month if you decide to take the pill to kind of get your body adjusted to everything. So like at your six week appointment, even if you decide to go on the pill, then you still might want to consider using a barrier method at first, like a condom, just to make sure that you don't get pregnant again, if you're trying to avoid getting pregnant.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. And like, you know, we keep saying like this at the six week appointment, because the recommendation is that at the six week appointment, you get, you know, you discuss how you're feeling and you should be waiting six weeks before you have any type of sexual activity because after birth, you not only deliver your baby, but you also deliver your placenta. And your placenta leaves this giant gaping hole in your uterine wall. So in those six weeks after you deliver, you are healing with a giant hole in your uterus. And it's slowly healing. And it's recommended that you don't have sex in those first six weeks because you're at increased risk of infection. So that's why we keep saying like, you know, at your six week appointment, the doctor will tell you because, you know, I know that a lot of women don't wait the six weeks and it's not something that I necessarily do. Like that is, sex is probably the last thing on my mind when I'm six weeks postpartum or below. And we've talked about it before, kind of how long we've waited after- in our postpartum period before we have sex and in other podcasts. But uh, yeah, there's a reason why, you know, it's recommended that you wait six weeks.
1: You don't have to do it at six weeks. You can do it later. You just mentioned our previous podcast where we talked about this. Like we yeah. didn't necessarily have sex right at six weeks.
0: No, I like for me, it was, um, it progressively gets longer every time.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it was like that with the boys, We tried and I was like, I'm not ready. And then we waited a few more weeks and then it was fine. But then with Caroline, we just waited extra time, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, we waited. So like for me with Freya, after Freya, it was eight weeks. And then after Finn, it was nine weeks. And then after Maeve, it was 10 weeks. And it wasn't because I wasn't feeling well. It was just like, it was totally the last thing on our minds. We were just so busy and it was just like not on the radar. So yeah, like it progressively got longer and it also got easier after every baby as well. Like knowing that, okay, we're just going to wait. Peter was just like, yeah, I know it's not even on the, on the schedule for us. So, and um, but anyways, we're talking about our sex lives and we're supposed to be talking about birth control, although they do connect.
1: The other thing I wanted to mention before we move on is since we're talking about sex, is that you mentioned our Mommy Mentorship Program at the beginning of the podcast episode. Well, we have one of our guest experts, Dana Morilato, who has actually been on the podcast previously. She does an amazing masterclass on having sex after you've had your baby.
0: Yes, postpartum sex.
1: Postpartum sex. Dana's where it's at, and it's part of our Mommy Mentorship Program. So you should definitely check it out. Anyway, so let's go on to the second method.
0: So the second method is probably the most, I would say probably the most common. well, I don't know. okay. so I think there's a tie for most common. this being the first one, um, being short-term birth control. meaning that the short term means that you can stop it and within you know a, a short amount of time, everything will go back to normal physically and you will be hormonally and you will be, you know, good to go to have another baby or like to try and get pregnant if that is your choosing. So the short-term birth controls are, you know, the classic pill, the patch, the ring, the mini pill and the shot meaning so that they are, you know, you do them. And once you stop the birth control protection stops as well.
1: And we should mention that these are all hormonal methods. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, they need to be prescribed by a doctor. So usually at your six month appointment, if you decide you're going to use one of these methods, your doctor will write you your prescription for that. Yeah. And it's something that you have to remember to to take every day or every month, or I know with a shot, I think it's every three months.
0: Yeah. Every three months.
1: Yeah. So these are something that you have to remember that you you actually have to do something with it, Right.
0: Yeah. So the shot, obviously, yeah, is three months and it's given to you pretty soon after birth and then you have to do it again uh, later on. Yeah. So it can also take time to end it with the shot. So the effectiveness, like if you wanted to just be protected for a few months and then try for another baby, um, the shot might not necessarily be um, your choice because it's every three months, right? Because so that, you know, it has a little bit of time lag time in between. The mini pill, if you, if people aren't aware is kind of the, the pill for nursing for breastfeeding um, because it's progesterone only. Um, And that is something that I did after uh, Freya. I was at my six week appointment. I was breastfeeding. So I was like, I'll just do the pill. And it wasn't for me. It was my choice in doing it after about a month and a half, 2 months, I decided that it wasn't quite right for me, but I was also ready Peter and I had talked and like we knew that we wanted to try for another baby, so it was we decided to stop the pill that I would stop the pill.
1: The mini I, pill, right?
0: Yes, yeah, stop the mini yeah. pill, sorry. Yeah. yeah, so so it's just like your regular birth control pill only it doesn't come with a placebo pack because it's progesterone only. It doesn't have that those estrogen days. Yeah. And like the, the ring thickens your mucus, your cervical music with mucus, not music. (laughs) Imagine (laughs) imagine your cervix had music, (laughs) a little ambiance (laughs) set the mood, but the, uh, the ring actually thickens your cervical mucus. So it actually slows down the sperm. On its way to reach the egg. And, you know, all of these options that are hormonal have different levels of hormones. So that's something to consider for you as well when you're talking to your doctor about like what would fit well with you. You want to talk, you might want to talk about what you were using prior to getting pregnant and if it was working, if you were comfortable, if you're worried about any side effects. Because in any case when you're you you do things with hormones or you take medication there's always the risk of side effects so it's always good to talk to your doctor about those side effects so that you can find a choice that is best for you I know
1: with me because I wasn't breastfeeding the boys I went back on the pill so I was on the pill before I conceived the boys and then I took myself off of it and got pregnant with the boys and then because I wasn't breastfeeding I went back on the same Pill that I had been on before. So that's an option if you're formula feeding.
0: Yeah. And then the patch is one that contains, like the traditional pill, estrogen and progesterone. Um, It's something that you have to apply. You apply a patch once a week for three weeks, and then you stop the patch for the fourth week so that you can have your period because it, you know, it has the hormones. And then you start up again. I think there are. I, I know some people who have gotten pregnant on the patch. I am um, only oh, because, really, yeah, because it's, how did, how did they explain it to me? I think what happened as they explained it to me was that they didn't put the patch on on the same day every week.
1: Oh, you got to be consistent. Same yeah. with the pill. You have to be consistent with the pill too.
0: Exactly. Cause you stop and then there's that gap. Yeah. Um, there's a dip in the hormone. So uh, yeah. So I know a couple of people who have gotten pregnant on the patch, you know, not saying that if the patch is right for you, that you shouldn't do it. Like, that's not what we're talking about at all, but it was because it is something that you have to apply regularly to make sure that it's consistent and there's no dip in the hormone levels for you.
1: I know someone who got pregnant on the pill because she wasn't taking it at the same time every day. Right. Like, if you're going to take the pill, like, you either need to take it like every morning when you get up or like every yeah. evening before you go to bed, like at a consistent time. And she was just kind of taking it whenever and she got pregnant.
0: Huh. We actually, going back to the shot, we both know someone who got pregnant on the shot. Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. A mutual friend of ours. And I'm not sure, like, I don't know necessarily know why, like, what the cause of that was or, but I think it, I have read a number of of people getting pregnant on the shot, but we we do know someone who personally got pregnant on the shot.
1: Yeah. So then number three, what do we have for number three?
0: These are long-term reversible birth controls. So obviously these are more of a commitment, um, but still can be changed if you change your mind. And these are your IUDs, both hormonal and copper, as well as the hormonal implants. So they're physically put into your body for long-term as in years protection.
1: Yeah. And depending which one you get, like they can last anywhere from like three years to like 10 years. Yeah. Right. So if you change your mind and you decide you're going to have another child, then you'll have to go to your doctors to have them removed.
0: Yeah. And also too, it's important to like reiterate that these are for birth control. These do not protect you against any STIs. So, you know, you still have to protect yourself that way with STIs. But um, the long term, yeah, there's hormonal and copper. And you never had an IUD, did you?
1: No, I was on the pill before I got pregnant with the boys. And then our doctor actually recommends the IUD afterwards when you're kind of unsure, but I said I was going to elect to go on the pill because if we were, if we were done with the, after the boys, Keith was going to go get a vasectomy and uh, we decided to have Caroline. And so I never ended up doing the IUDs.
0: Yeah. And I have never done a IUD. It was really pushed on me after Finn. And I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it. And then This time around at my six week appointment, I just flat out said like, I'm the idea of having it implanted in me makes me nervous. It just, it freaked me out. And he was like, I completely understand, you know, it's not for you. And he says, if you're not comfortable with even just the idea, if you were to do it just because it's an option, you will be back. I can guarantee that you will be back to have it removed within a couple of months. And it's not always for some people because, you know, there are there are some people who are side effects where, you know, with bleeding or cramping. I actually know someone whose body rejected the IUD. So it was like physically pushing the IUD out of her uterus. Really? Or uh, not her uterus. Sorry. Cause I think the I- IUD goes in your cervix, right? I was
1: going to say, I think it's the cervix. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. It is your cervix. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, her her body rejected it and actually was physically pushing it out. Um, So obviously it was slow, like it was being pushed out, but yeah, her body rejected it. And then I have another friend who, because there's a string attached to the IUD that hangs um, and then it gets trimmed, like, so it fits. So it's not like physically like all the way hanging out of your, out of your body. Um, But I have a friend who the string fell off. And so they didn't know where the IUD was and And so like the string fell off. And so she had to go for ultrasounds trying to find the IUD the IUD, so that it could be removed. And her OB was like, I'm really hoping that it's not, you know, too far up. Like if it hasn't migrated so that you don't have to have surgery to get it removed. Oh, geez.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Stories like that make you like, especially when you know the person. Yeah. Just makes you not want to do
0: it. But but it was it was not for me. I know, like I would say that probably the IUD is probably one of the most, if not the most popular birth control after baby, especially if you're not wanting a baby immediately after. I think the IUDs are really 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 popular. I know I know so many people who have their IUDs and they love them, uh, like no no complaints. And then after five or ten years, they're going for another one. Like they are so it's absolutely perfect for them. Um, For me, it just kind of freaked me out and it wasn't for me. And so I opted not to get the IUD, but uh, you can get both a hormonal IUD, which releases small amounts of hormone into your system over time. And then there's the copper IUD, which is also a non-hormonal IUD. It causes inflammation and that inflammation makes an unhealthy environment for sperm. So it creates this environment that like kills the sperm. Isn't that cool?
1: Yeah. You never think of things that kill sperm, but I guess like there's like spermicide and stuff too, right? Like yeah, they've come up with th- ways to attack sperm so that you don't get pregnant.
0: Yeah. And it's always so important to talk to your doctor too about the different side effects that are associated with whatever whatever birth control you're thinking about. Because I know with IUD, one of the concerns that I had was like, bleeding and I think it's a concern that a lot of women have is how long they're gonna be bleeding or cramping afterwards they get it inserted um, and some women don't have any experience any of it it all just depends on you and like some people are super lucky and some people it's just not meant for them and and you know have more side effects than others it's really, but it's, it's no different than like the short term, right? Like the pill works great for some people. The pill doesn't work great for others. And like the patch works great. Like everybody is individual. And that's why it's so good that there's so many different choices for birth control.
1: So our fourth method is surgical sterilization. Yeah. And this is your route. This is my route. Yes. Yeah. So once Caroline was born and we knew baby number three was for sure it, so our R O B, he always says, so for your next baby, and I said, whoa, 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 this time there really is no next baby, and I, I said, I realized that I said it last time, but I said, hear me out. I said, this time, I, I said, I've always told Keith that the baby factory closes at 35, and I am 35, so there will be no more children after this, and he said, well, if you're that sure, have you considered having your tubes removed, and I said, having my tubes removed. He said, yes. He said it will reduce your risk of ovarian cancer by up to 80%. So that was a big bonus for me. And because I decided I was going to have a C-section, he could just do it. So Keith and I kind of talked it over and we decided to go that route. It was just the right route for us. We knew for sure we were done. There were going to be no more kids. So um, I had my tubes removed.
0: So you had, you made that decision and had that in place prior to Caroline being born because
1: I was pregnant with her. Yes. Yeah.
0: But you yeah. had, you made that decision. You had talked to ROB about that because in your C section surgery, you also had this happen. They removed yes. your tubes.
1: Yeah. And I actually did a podcast episode, one of our earlier ones, talking about having a C section and having my tubes removed.
0: And it, it's important to also recognize that having your tubes removed is a different form of surgical birth control than having your tubes tied. Correct.
1: Having your tubes tied, sometimes your tubes can untie. So you still could get pregnant. And also having your tubes tied, you could have them untied if you decide you want another baby. Whereas having your tubes removed, like if I wanted to have another baby, I would have to have my eggs taken out You'd have go, to do IVF. Yes. On myself. Yeah. yeah. I could not have a child naturally because there's no tube. There's, I still have my ovaries because I need those for hor- hormones so that I don't go into menopause. So those are still there. It's the the tubes. So there's no way for the egg to travel.
0: You just got eggs floating <laughs> around your body. They yeah. just go off a cliff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so that's the difference. And... Yeah, I cannot naturally get pregnant on my own. Now, our original plan was for Keith to go and get a vasectomy.
0: I was going to say, this is another surgical permanent, like another surgical option is a vasectomy because it's not just up to us to be controlling birth.
1: That's right. And like the vasectomy... Is so easy now. Like you can actually get it done with a laser. Yeah. Laser. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and men love lasers for some reason. So if you're really (laughs) like trying to sell the vasectomy, just be like, I heard they use laser. They're like, I'm there.
1: Yeah. It's like a really easy procedure. Uh, Way easier than a woman going to get her tubes tied. And to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have done the tubal removal if I wasn't having a C-section already. So... Yeah, our we were always going to have Keith get his vasectomy, and we only decided to go the tube removal route because of the uh, ovarian cancer risk going down. Because ovarian cancer is hard to detect, and my aunt had ovarian cancer, although her case wasn't hereditary. I know that because my mom ended up going for all these tests afterwards, genetic testing. So... Yeah, it was just kind of like a a fluke that that happened. So, anyways, for me, it was I like the fact that it decreased that risk.
0: Yeah, but the the vasectomy is an option as well for birth control if you know that you are done and that you want to make you know well, a
1: vasectomy can be reversed too. It can. Yeah,
0: I always, I always, always think of the episode of The Office when Michael. Yeah. Started- it is like, you know how how painful having four vasectomies is? Snip snap, snip snap, snip snap. Like I use that line all the time. Not even talking about vasectomies. It just it comes up in my daily life all the time. It's hilarious.
1: As soon as you said that I totally knew where you were gonna go with that, because you love the office so much.
0: I do. I love the office. But yeah, I always think of like whenever I hear vasectomy, I think of Michael Scott yelling, you know how many? Like, <laughs>
1: But the thing is, to be honest with you, if you know you're done, that is probably the easiest way for you and your partner to finalize the fact that you're done, right? Because, like, if a woman goes to have her tubes tied, you know, or isn't having a C-section and goes to get them removed, like, it is more invasive. And I know, like, even getting your tubes tied, I don't think it's as major surgery as it used to be. It's kind of day surgery now, whereas it used to be more invasive. However, like the vasectomy is so easy and it's has not even like, is it painful? Yeah, I, I hear it's a little bit painful, but like, I don't think it's that bad based yeah. on what I'm hearing from friends.
0: Yeah. And we have a number of friends who have had their, whose husbands have had vasectomies. I know Peter is, would like a vasectomy he because Peter, like I said, is he said that he's done. And I'm like, "Ah, you know, we'll see. But obviously, so we haven't made the appointment, but Peter, when it is like done, done time, which could very well be now, but haven't like accepted that yet, he will be getting a vasectomy. And you know, I always joke, like, you can have a vasectomy, have this little laser pointed at your testicles, like, you will be fine. I birthed you three babies, right? Like the thing is, even though Peter wants it. Like, I know that there are men who are hesitant, but like men can step up and do something for your family too. And if you you were done having children, like let them do something for it's it. It's funny that you
1: say that because so Keith, even when we were dating, he always said, yeah, when we're done having kids, I'm going to go for a vasectomy. Cause that was his theory. If I'm carrying around these babies and birthing them, the lot, like the least he could do is go get the vasectomy. Right. So then when I came home and I was telling him about I could get my tubes removed, he said, well, I'll still go get a vasectomy. And I said, I'm like, but why would you go get a vasectomy? <laughs> and and he's like, because then we're like guaranteed we're 100%. And then I'm like, Keith, we'll be 100%. And then I had to like say, like, there's no place for the egg to travel, have the conversation that we just had. And then so finally, when it sunk in, he was like, oh, he's like, so I don't have to go for a vasectomy. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of funny, but yeah. um, When you know you're done, vasectomy. Yeah. It's pretty good way to go. So you can, you can uh, join Peter on that one.
0: And ultimately, like you said, it can be reversed. If you down the line, change your mind, it is a little bit more challenging. I know statistically the numbers are not as like a hundred, you're not guaranteed. Like, yes, it'll be perfect. But like ultimately, It is something that could potentially be reversed if you had a change of heart further down the line. But yeah, it's vasectomy for like a surgical permanent option is a good choice, is a good option for many people.
1: And it's the least invasive out of the surgical
0: options. Absolutely. Anything that has to do with a male over a female body is, is is less invasive with regards to, you know, our reproductive health.
1: Yeah, that's very true. So our last is the natural rhythm methods.
0: Yeah. Pull out method <laughs> is one option. <laughs> the You know, there's also, you know, you know, you look at your, your timing and you can do, this is where you're looking at your natural body and figuring out your cycle associated with that. If you, even if you don't have a period yet, this one is, uh,
1: it's it's the least effective form of birth control. We'll it's just true.
0: say that it is
1: right. Yeah, it's a little bit more chancy. Do lots of people use it? Yeah,
0: I am raising my hand as at this moment. As yes, that is what we tend to use. Is the uh, is the natural rhythm methods? Yeah, no. And after Freya, after Finn, that's what we used. And then ultimately after Freya, after I did my little stint on the mini pill, that's what we used as well. You didn't get
1: pregnant doing the rhythm methods. You'd already decided you were going to get pregnant when you did get pregnant.
0: Yes, we were actually. just going to side note that. Yeah, no, that is a good point to make. I, (laughs) we were actively trying to get pregnant. Um, Yes. Yes, you're right. That is a very good point to make. So like when you're looking at the natural rhythm methods, like there's a lot of things that you kind of look into and if you are someone who has you know struggled to conceive you probably already know a lot of the things that you would be watching for because you would be looking for these signs to get pregnant you know looking at your the consistency of your vaginal mucus um your your basal temperatures like those type of things that you're looking at um, indicate where you are in your cycle and when you're ovulating. Um, that all plays into the natural rhythm method. and then of course, the pullout method, which I feel like there's a rhyme for that, like something there's a, like a funny rhyme about about the pullout method. Ultimately, the pull-out method is not a form of birth control. but let's just say that because there is because if you are having sex unprotected, And even if someone, if your partner pulls out, um, there is something called, let's have a little health, a little sexual health lesson. There's pre-ejaculate, which does contain sperm, whether or not they tell you that it's like, no, no, it's empty. It's just liquid. There's sperm in it. You can get pregnant off pre-ejaculate. Okay. It just takes one sperm to reach your egg. Um, So this is a teacher in me. I've had grade eights tell me like, no, no, there's nothing on it. There's nothing in it. Yeah, there is.
1: Well, basically, when you're doing the rhythm methods, like you're combining a bunch of things, right? Yeah. You're pulling out, you're checking your calendars um, to see when you're ovulating, just to avoid those days. You might be even checking your temperature, like you're doing a bunch of things. You're right. You're, you're trying to avoid all the things you did to get pregnant. If
0: you were trying to right? conceive. If,
1: if you were trying to conceive, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but that is something that people do use but it is considered to be less effective
0: yeah i think if you say that to your doctor they just laugh at you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, I'll, I'll see you in a couple months <laughs> um one other thing to consider when you're talking about birth control after baby is and i had mentioned it earlier is whether or not you're breastfeeding or not now there's the old wives tale that if you're breastfeeding it is a good you can't get pregnant while you're breastfeeding, that is very untrue. You can ask anybody and somebody knows somebody who got pregnant while they were breastfeeding. The question of does breastfeeding work as birth control? The short answer is no, it's not reliable because there's a lot of things that play the long answer to it to that question is that, while you may, while you're breastfeeding, you might not have your period, but you can you can ovulate without having your period, I think there's uh, a lot of women who think, well, if I'm not, if I'm breastfeeding, I don't have my period, then I can't can't get pregnant, but you can absolutely get pregnant without a period. Talk to anybody. There are some women who have PCOS who like, who have, um, you know, very irregular periods, but they still ovulate and can still, you know, still get pregnant. Yes, PCOS does add challenges, um, but, you know, there are some women who have gotten pregnant without periods. So you can ovulate while you're breastfeeding. It just means that you're not having a period. Just be aware that breastfeeding is not a reliable source of birth control because you can still get pregnant if you are ovulating. And then when you're breastfeeding, there's some things to think about too is, you know, what methods work with breastfeeding because some don't work and the the things that you want to look for are you don't want to have estrogen-based birth controls not that estrogen is dangerous while you're breastfeeding it just may decrease your um, your milk supply so they tend to avoid giving you um, estrogen-based or estrogen-containing birth controls if you're looking at a hormonal birth control so that's why there's difference between the pill and the mini pill um yeah so like if you're breastfeeding the common options for you are like the shot an implant condoms a mini pill or um a hormonal iud the patch and the ring are not and a full hormonal pill are not good choices for you if you're breastfeeding and i just know that because i've breastfed all three Um, And that's always a a discussion that I have with my doctor before. Maybe that's
1: why they recommend, like I know our doctor always recommends the IUD, right? Because if it's safe for breastfeeding and, you know, it's incredibly effective, you don't have to remember to take it like convenience. Yeah, you have to get it taken out, but that could be why that seems to be his number one recommendation.
0: I think you're, I think you're right. And I think that's why a lot of women like it because it's like a one and done, right? Like, yes, you have to have two appointments or, you know, one appointment to put it in one to get it out, but there could be a five to 10 year gap in between there. But yeah, it's, it's in there you don't have to remember and people can still breastfeed on it. And it's because it gives you that option of either a copper IUD or a hormonal IUD, right? So there are two options for people and it, so it is breastfeeding friendly um i i agree i think that's one of the reasons why he does like the iud over other choices
1: there's no remembering right no. and as a new mom like everything <laughs> you're remembering and juggling so many balls that this is just one less thing you have to juggle
0: yeah and you know like this is definitely a conversation that you need you need to have with your partner before you go into your six week appointment. Cause it's, you know, you want to have an idea going in so that your doctor doesn't just like say, okay, these are your options and list off a whole bunch of options and explain all the pros, all the cons and all the side effects of each one of them, because that's like a ton of information that's thrown at you in a very short amount of time, probably. Um, and it can be very overwhelming and very confusing. And then you're like, um I don't know which one sounded like it might fit for me. So having an idea of like, of, you know, beforehand saying like, we, you know, my partner and I, or I would like to have children, I would like to try for another baby in the next year, I would like to try for another baby in a year, five years down the line, having that idea, or if you're completely done, you know, having that in your, in your um, kind of idea in your brain is something good to talk to, you know, have be prepared with, as well as things that you're comfortable with, because some women try different, different um, birth controls and find that they like one thing better over another. And it's important to bring that forward to your doctor too, because they will be able to direct you something that fits with you, your activity level and your goal of no baby, another baby, another baby in a little bit. So every, all that information that you have prepared is going to make it an easier conversation with your doctor at, an, at that appointment.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.